thank Pastor Reagan not only for uh, taking care of the pulpit here last Sunday, but uh, for doing such a tremendous job and giving us a segue into this last quarter. I don't know a, a, a better message that we could have had to bring us from evangelism to discipleship than what he preached last Sunday talking about denying ourselves, thinking of someone besides ourselves, giving ourselves to a purpose and to a cause that's greater than ourselves. And so today we, we look at the rebuilding of the walls of discipleship, and I want to give you my text. You'll recognize it. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Uh, Jesus, uh, this is what he said. He came and spoke to them saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, let me say this as we start on this. Evangelism and discipleship go hand in hand. Uh, they're, they're really inseparable. You, they, they work together like, like hand in glove. It's just, it's sort of like the first two, prayer and worship, kind of, they tend to work together. And evangelism and discipleship uh, go together. It's, uh, uh, it, it's, it comes out of the Great Commission. You know, Jesus had spent 33 and a half years here on this earth and he spent three and a half years training men to follow him, literally making disciples. He called them and, um, and commissioned them. And what I read to you from a text is the Great Commission. Now, think about this. Jesus spends three and a half years training these guys. I mean, day and night they are with him. They travel with him. They see him from from the early morning hours when there, there were days when they were looking for him in the early morning hours and he'd be found somewhere praying in the early part of the day and and they followed his ministry and they watched him as he healed the sick as he cast out devils as he raised the dead as he turned water to wine as he fed multitudes with a small amount of food it made it multiply to the glory of God. They saw these miracles. He even taught them how to pray. They didn't know how to pray, and he taught them to pray and gave them the Lord's Prayer. He taught them the principles of the kingdom of God. And after three and a half years, and he's ready to go back to his, his father. He's, by the way, he's gone through Calvary and given his life as a ransom for our salvation. He's been resurrected from the dead, and now he's about to ascend to heaven. And, and he leaves them with this word. He boils it all down. Three and a half years of ministry and teaching, he brings down into this great commission. And you can boil that down into two simple statements. Like I said, they go hand in hand. The great commission is simply this, win souls, make disciples. That's what Jesus told them to do. I want you to win souls and I want you to make disciples. We read it here in the Great Commission. What I want to do is, is lift from this three points that I think are so important that we understand about the Great Commission as it relates to discipleship. First of all, there is the reaching aspect. Notice he said in the first part of verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. 
go. This is the go of the gospel. You know, the first, the first word in gospel is go. Gospel, go, go therefore. Um, the reason I said uh, last Sunday's message is so important as we lay a foundation for all of this is because when you look at the Great Commission, it causes you to look outward. Uh, several years ago, Jack Haynes, many of you remember Jack Haynes. He's been with us several times in missions conferences in years gone by. Uh, he's written some powerful books. And I jokingly say, but it's pretty well true, that it doesn't matter what you ask Jack Haynes to preach on or what scripture he uses, he's going to preach on missions. Because he finds mission, he just lives for missions. He's one of the most mission-minded men I know. His church in Australia, uh, in uh, Penrith, which is a suburb of Sydney, there, his church gives over a million dollars a year to missions. So you're, you're talking about a mission-minded church. They are they are focused on missions. And several years ago, when his kids were smaller, they were all in grammar school or middle school. He uh, they were having devotions one day, and he said to them. Uh, well, he asked him a question. He said, um, I want you guys to tell me what is the key to abundant living? The key to abundant living. And he said, I'll t- give you a hint. It's one word, one word. And boy, they started responding real quick. One of them said it's love. Another said it's discipleship. Another said it's evangelism. Another said it's, uh, they just started fire, fire making. He said, hold it, hold it, hold it. He said, I'll give you a week. And he pulled out a $5 bill, and he said, I'll, I'll, to whichever one of you guys come up with the right word within the next five days. He gave him five days, actually, a work week. He said, I'll, I'll give you this $5 bill. So, boy, his kids started. They, they, were, they brought him words he didn't even know. Uh, they, they, they got a, 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 a concordance, a strong concordance, and they started going through it. Boy, you're talking about words. Uh, and, and then they got a Younger's Bible Dictionary and started going through it. And they came through it. And at the end of five days, they still had not come up with a word. So they told him, they said, we give up. Tell us what it is. And he said, well, let me tell you a story that will give you the word that I think is the key to abundant Christian living. And he told about General William Booth who founded the Salvation Army. William Booth, General Booth, always gave the opening address to their general council or their general convention of, their, of, of the Salvation Army as they gathered together once a year from all over the world. And one year he was detained because of a storm at sea and he was in another country trying to get home. He wasn't able to get there. And he was able to send word And they brought a telegram to the convention at the opening address time when he would have spoken. And it was just one word. And when they opened that telegram and looked at that vast army of people who were meeting needs and touching lives all over the world, he wanted to to remind them of one thing that they must never forget. And that word was simply others others turn to your neighbor and say others others jack haynes said i believe this is the key to abundant christian living now not the abundant not the key to abundant life that's jesus christ 
But once you're saved and once you become a disciple of Christ and you're following the Lord, here's the key to making your life abundant and happy and fulfilled. And that's when you can focus on others, others. And that's what discipleship is all about. And notice Jesus said, go therefore. That's verse 19 of the Great Commission, the very first part of it. He said, go therefore and make disciples. Now, you've heard me tell you many times when you're studying the Bible, anytime you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. So, so you got to do a little research. And, and all you got to do is back up to see what he's saying. Jesus spoke to them saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, do you get it? Jesus said, because I have now. You remember, Jesus just conquered death, hell, and the grave. I mean, the resurrection, the greatest miracle of all time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he says, because I have conquered death, hell, and the grave, I want you to go. Because you can now. I've conquered it. I've defeated it. I want you. Therefore, I want you to go just like I've gone. He's already told his disciples that what you've seen me do, you can do also. And he's even told them, you're going to do greater works than these because I go to my father. So, so, so the, he's pending the very future of the kingdom of God on the earth on this commission that he's given to his disciples. Go, therefore. I've already paid the price. I've won the victory for you. Now, go, therefore, and then he gives us the commission. Uh, the three words that I want you to get here. The first one is uh, the word reaching. I want you to reach, reach. There, there is, I told you it's tied to evangelism. Go, therefore, and teach all nations. You, you, there's a reaching. We've got to reach out to this lost and dying world. I'm here to tell you this morning that our Lord and Savior wants everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he wants everybody to be saved. The Bible's very clear on that. The apostle Peter said in his second epistle, he declared, it's God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to uh, repentance. Now I know there's a doctrine and I just don't agree with it all. It shows my Armenian roots. I'm definitely not, uh, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not a hyper Calvinist. I can tell you that. In fact, I saw a t-shirt the other day. I'm not big on t-shirts, but if I could get one, I'd probably wear it because I, th I thought it was funny. Now you may not get it because uh, it's a little, um, kind of a unique kind of humor, but it said Calvinism and underneath it, it says some lives matter. Uh, uh, in case you misunderstand it, Calvinism is hyper Calvinism believes that there's some people that are predestined to go to heaven and some people that are predestined to go to hell. Now, folks, I'm sorry. I don't buy that. I, I just, I just don't buy that because I don't believe with my heavenly father that some lives matter. I believe with my heavenly father that all lives matter. Amen. I believe all lives matter. And, 
And so, and again, by, by the scripture, he's not willing that any should perish. You say, well, but, but preacher, there are people that are not going to heaven. I realize that. But I want to tell you something. If you go to hell, you're going to have to trample over the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to go past the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to deny the call of God upon your life. You're going to have to reject and refuse to accept God's gift of salvation. So it'll be your choice. You'll go to, if you go to hell, you'll go over the top of the love of your heavenly father, over the top of the desire of your heavenly father. He's paid the price, made the way, and offered you the greatest gift in all this. There's no excuse for anybody to miss it. Amen? If you miss it, it'll be your choice. So the first thing we got to reach, we've got to reach to this whole world. There's a world out there that's dying, and we need to reach to them. Second thing is teaching. Go, therefore, and teach all nations. Teach them. What do you, what do you think of when you think of teaching? Hey, instructions, uh, lectures, maybe tests. Some of your, a lot of your students, some of you in college, and some of you in medical school here in those of you in medical school know that medical school is designed the first year to eliminate everybody that they can. They try to kill you that first year <laughs> because they only want the best and the brightest who survive. You know, uh, so, so you may think of tests when you think of teaching. I, I don't know exactly what you think of, but in the first part of the 20th verse, in this great commission, when Jesus talked about going into all the world and teaching, he told you what to teach them, told us what to teach them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, teach them to observe. You're, basically, what our job is is just to teach people to watch. We're to, we're to, you remember what Peter and John said when they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer and there was a lame man there that had been lame for many, many years, all his life, and, and, and he shook his little uh, cup that, uh, hoping that they would put some money in it, some change in it, and he didn't even look at him. He just shook the cup. And Peter and John, here's what they said. Look on us. Look on us. You know what they're doing? They're, they're teaching. They're fulfilling the Great Commission. Jesus said, teach them to observe. He said, look at us. Look at us. And so he looked at them. And when, when, they, when they, he looked at them, he said, they said to him, silver and we, I'm sorry, we don't have what you want, but we got what you need. We got what you need. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And took him by the right hand, pulled him up. And his ankle bones received strength. And he began to leap and rejoice and praise God. Ran into the temple. And, and boy, did they have some kind of disturbing service that day from that guy. But what we're supposed to teach is that people observe. We're, just, we're supposed to be able to say as the church, as the body of Christ, we're supposed to be able to say to this world, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in church work that have disgraced the name of the Lord Jesus by the things that they have done and the way that they have lived. But, but that's still, that's no excuse for us. 
You and I are commanded by Jesus to say, look on us. You know what we ought to be able to say right here in, in, in Augusta, Georgia? And listen, I'm, this is not arrogance. This is not pride, false pride. This is not, this is not some kind of uh, ego uh, uh, kind of a thing. It, it's, we should be able to say to Augusta, Georgia, if, if you need help, look at New Hope. Look at us. Look on us. Look on us. Look on us. We're to, we're to tell people to observe. That, that's basically what baptism is all about. When he told them to baptize, that baptism is an identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we've been born again, we're identifying with Jesus. And if we're disciples of the Lord Jesus, that means we're acting like Jesus, we're loving like Jesus, we're giving like Jesus, we're sharing like Jesus, we're living by the teachings of Jesus, and we ought to be able to say to a lost and dying, hurting world, we have the answer. Look at us. Come to us. We'll share what we have. And we have the answer to the needs of the world. Look on us. That's the teaching part. And then thirdly, there is a preaching part. (laughs) I may surprise you, but I'm going to tell you this morning, every one of you under the sound of my voice that's been born again are called to preach. Now, I, I didn't say you're called to go get a Bible and find a pulpit and pastor a church and preach every Sunday. But preaching here is simply proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Look at Mark's, Mark expands in a different direction. That's why we have more gospels than one because one, one guy couldn't get it all. And so we have different parts of it. Here's the great commission from Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature didn't I tell you that with God all lives matter in the great commission he said don't leave anybody out now don't leave any people groups out now don't avoid any group just because you don't like them because they're not of your particular ethnicity or your particular background or your particular favor or whatever he said "I, I want everybody to hear the gospel And he said, I want you, the body of Christ, to go and preach that. Now, that means to proclaim. We're to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's some people that take this Bible and abuse it and misuse it. You probably know somebody. You may have somebody in your family that will take this book and just beat everybody over the head with it. You ever met anybody like that? You know, you see those signs sometimes, turn or burn. Turn right or be left. You know, they, they got all these slogans. Right and, and, and they tell people they're going to hell and they act like they're happy about it. No, 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 no. That, it, it, don't, 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 do, don't use. If you, uh, if, it's gospel. Gospel means good news. Listen, if, if, when you go to work tomorrow and you try to tell somebody about the Lord, if all you're doing is finding all the don'ts and the, and the judgment and the disaster and the, and the, and the four hoof beats of the apocalypse, if that's all you can talk about, um, you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. Why don't, why, why don't you just get back to the altar 
until you can get some joy in your heart. What he wants us to proclaim is the gospel. Preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. What's good news, preacher? I'll tell you what good news is. Good news for a lost man is that there's a Savior. Good news to a dying man is that there's life. Good news to a sick man is that there's healing. Good news to a poor man is that God's riches are available for you. Good news to an unlearned man is that you can be educated in Jesus and be smarter than those around you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll be your teacher, your comforter, your guide. Amen. That's good news. And we've got good news. That's the gospel. We're supposed to preach the gospel. Glory to God. Well, this past Tuesday, I was in a meeting with our our bishop and with a whole bunch of other preachers from this part of the state, and they were talking about preaching, and and, uh, somebody asked a question and said, what makes a good sermon? (laughs) And somebody quoted John Maxwell. John Maxwell said, "To, to craft a good sermon... Spend time and, and, and get a good introduction. And then spend some time and get a good closing. And then bring those two as close together as you can. <laughs> so I'm going to try to bring these two <laughs> together as close as I can this morning. I just want to tell you that that discipleship is, is literally making disciples or mentoring or blessing or teaching or sharing what we have and what we've learned and what we've received. Just share it with somebody else. The good news. Everyone in here that, that's been born again has a testimony. There, there's something good that the Lord's done for you. Amen? And, and we're, just, we're to proclaim that and help other people to receive from the Lord. Let, let's get our focus on others. Will you stand with me, please? This will help me bring that closing closer to the introduction. If you stand up, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start getting it to a close. As long as you're sitting there, I'll preach all day. Uh, but I, I do want to encourage you today to get involved in discipleship. And, and get involved to the point that it becomes just a natural part of your life. You just, it's, it's like breathing. We just, you don't even have to think about it. You just, when you hear a need, you, you share the good news that there's an answer to that need. Uh, a little over a generation ago, about nearly two generations ago now, there was a great, great preacher in the Dallas, Texas area by the name of uh, George W. Truitt. Some of you may have read some of his books. He was a great writer as well as a great renowned preacher in his day. Dr. Truitt, pastor in a huge mega church before there were many mega churches in America, um, was invited one day by a very wealthy man in his congregation to come over to his house for lunch. And so he accepted the invitation. And after lunch, the man said, Dr. Truitt, I'd like to show you what the Lord's blessed me with. He said, 25 years ago, I didn't have anything. And they walked out, 
this lovely mansion that he was living in. He had a huge veranda uh, that, that kind of wrapped around the, the end of his house so that you could see in almost every direction. And they walked straight ahead, and he said, Dr. Truett, I want you to look out there. And when he looked, as far as he could see, there were oil wells. That was back in the, the real beginning of the oil uh, burst in, in Texas. And you could see those, those, those oil rigs uh, turning and pumping the oil out of the ground. As far as you could see that direction, he said, Pastor Pruitt, all that's mine, as far as you can see. Then he said, come over to this side, and I want you to look out this way. And this was farmland. He's thousands of acres, as far as you could see. All of it, most of it ready for harvest. said, you see all of that farmland? He said, all that's mine. And, and he said, let me, let me take you over here to this end of the veranda. They, they went over here to this end, and he, and he said, see that forest out there? So those trees said that there's a forest out there, several thousand acres, said, all that's mine. I own all that. So what do you think about all that, Mr. Pastor? And he was waiting for Dr. Truett to respond. Dr. Truett put his hand on his shoulder, and he pointed there. He said, sir, how much do you have there? That's what counts. Can I say to you this morning that that's what it's really all about? What's there? The older I get, the, the more I realize how, how brief our stay on this earth is. Life just goes by so quickly. The writers of the Bible use all kind of different terms. Job says it's faster than a weaver's shuttle. Many years ago, there used to be a lot of textile mills in this area, in South Carolina and Georgia. If you've ever been in one of those textile mills when it's running, you see how fast that weaver's shuttle is. Job said life is kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a weaver's shuttle. Another writer says it's like a vapor. You see it, it's here, and boom, it's gone. And you can think of probably dozens of people that you've known that were here. Now they're gone. Faye and I sometimes reminisce about all the old timers that we had on Crawford Avenue. So many of them gone to be with the Lord. And then from Wheeler Road, gone to be with the Lord. And then from this location, gone to be with the Lord. Life goes by so fast. Another writer said it's, it's like grass. It just grows up, but boom, then it's gone. I'm going to tell you something today, friend. This life's going to be gone pretty fast. And it doesn't matter how much you accumulate here, you're going to leave it all behind. The only thing that's really going to count is what you got there. What you got there. And so, instead of feeling condemned if we don't do it right or do enough or, or feel <clears throat> condemned if we're not getting out there and more active and busier. Why don't, we, why don't we accept it as the greatest privilege in the world? God has given us the privilege to participate with him in winning souls and making disciples all over this world.
Praise God. While we're standing here this morning in this service, thank you so much for your continual giving to missions. And we'll emphasize that more in a few weeks. But while we're standing here today, we've got a host of people in Lebanon. We got a host of people in South America. We got a host of people in Colombia and, 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 and in Brazil and, and in many states in Africa and countries in Africa and all over the African continent and, and in India. We got, we got hundreds and thousands of people. There's, there's close to between a quarter and a half a million people this morning that are worshiping the Lord, being discipled because of your giving. <laughs> when he says go into all the world and preach the gospel you, you may be puzzled and say Lord how am I going to do that I'll tell you how you're going to do it by giving to missions amen you're doing it right now you're doing it now <clears throat> I, I don't like to go on mission trips some people love to go on mission trips I don't like to go on mission trips I'm not called to do that I don't like to get on the other side of this country I, 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 like, I like it right here it's fine with this is where God put me He's called other people to go, but, but it doesn't take away my responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I give so that those people can preach in India. I give so those people can preach in Africa. I give so those people can preach in Europe. I give so those people can preach in South America. Amen. And so I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I'm God's hands extended. And that's what God wants us to be, a, a, a body of disciples. And then where we are, he wants us to be able to tell folks in Augusta, you got a problem, look at me. Now, I've shared the story many times through the years. And I won't repeat it in detail just enough to say that, that I had a man in my church, first church I pastored that was going through the toughest trial of his life. And everybody knew he was going through it. And it involved his daughter. And he and his wife were devastated. One Sunday morning, Faye and I looked up and his boss just out of nowhere came to our church and when I gave the altar call he came forward and got saved and I went to his house and asked him what was it about the service that drew you to Jesus and he said absolutely nothing I said then why did you come he said Ed Bell and I said what is it about Ed Bell these are his words not mine he said I know that Ed Bell is going through hell but he hasn't lost his song. He hasn't lost his joy. And he said, he comes into work and I know what he's going through. And my heart aches for him. But he said, I hear him on the job at Lockheed, just singing the praises of God and worshiping God in the midst of the toughest time of his life. That's winning souls and making disciples he said i had to come find out what he has that i don't have and he found it that morning at the altar he found jesus so what we're supposed to do we're supposed to go out these doors this morning we're supposed to go to our places of work tomorrow and we're supposed to live in such a way that those people who are struggling will say how do you make it those people that are hurting will say, how do you make it? And those people that are lost will say, what's different about you? That's, that's, and we'll be able to tell them about Jesus. Just, oh, glory to God. You got peace like a river. You got, you got peace that passes understanding. You got joy unspeakable and full of glory. You got the Lord in your heart. Tell them about the great provider. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Prayer team, come forward, if you will. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we honor you today and thank you for your presence here. And I just ask you now in these next few minutes to touch hearts and draw them to Jesus for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. We pray before we leave. I want to encourage you, if you can, to stay to the end of the service. We'll have another song before we leave. But if, if the Lord has spoken to your heart today and you feel a desire to pray, that's the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to come. If you're unsaved, come give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from the Lord, come home. If you have needs in your life today, come. We'll be glad to pray with you and for you. Or maybe you just want to come and find a place to pray. There may be many of you standing here this morning just say, Preacher, I, I'd just like to come this morning and, and say the Lord to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm here for you. I want you to help me to be a, a discipler. Help me to, to follow you in discipleship. Help me to be a blessing on my job. Help me to be a blessing in my home. Help me to be a blessing to my family. Lord, just give me that... Open those doors and make the way. If you'd like to come and just talk to the Lord about that, you feel free to come. The altar's open. God bless you. We're going to sing, and let's, uh, let's just worship him for the next few minutes as people come to pray. If, you're un if you need healing, come. We'll pray for you to be healed. Believe God. Amen.